is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous wednesday may 17th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we got a windy show today. <laughs> we do have a windy show today, um, and an absolutely packed show. Um, keeping with the theme, first article, giant wind turbines keep mysteriously falling over. This shouldn't be happening. Right up the Energy Newsbeat podcast, Ali Stu will cover what's going on with all of these wind farms. Next up, Alberta's wind power drops two megawatts on Friday, lowest levels we've seen yet. So Stu will cover what's going on in Alberta. I think I have a feeling some of that has to do with the wildfires going on up there. And we'd be remiss if we didn't also quickly cover what is going on with those wildfires up in, in Calgary. So Stu will give us an update there. Next up, EU raw material targets need money and faster permits, according to sector chief. This is uh, stating the obvious, you know, this is a hello, McFly. Hello. So they're, they're finally way there, you know, sec, you know, the, the EU's asleep at the wheel, but it seems to be finally figuring out Stu will, will cover what they're now just finally discovering um, over there with the raw materials. And then finally, we will cover fossil fuel centered growth is obsolete, says EU's Van Derlin. I mean, it's I don't even know where to begin with this, Stu. We'll cover this last one because this just makes my blood boil. He'll kick it over to me. We'll talk about um, what happened in the oil and gas finance markets today. Um, not much on the oil on, on the oil news side, just you know, everything staying fairly pat. We did see API crude oil inventories drop. Um, so I will cover all that and a bag of chips, guys. But before we go back and kick this show off, Again, all the stories you're about to hear are courtesy of the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. students. a great job of curating that website to make sure all of the stories that you need to know to stay up to speed on the industry are there. Well, I appreciate the, the, the team. They do a great job of curating the description below to make sure all of the timestamps are correct, they're clickable, and that these descriptions... Um, um, are there. So all the stories that we cover here, you can just hit the link below. You'll you'll be able to, to follow along um, or you can look them up later. If, if you're driving, check out dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and energy news combo. Get it while you still can. You never know when that's going behind a paywall. It's when, folks. It went from maybe to ah to now it's when. Just get ready, folks. It's coming. Um, I'm out of breath though, Stu. Where do you want to begin? Hey, uh, let's go to the first one here. Giant wind turbines mysteriously falling over. This should not be happening. I'll tell you what, Michael, I get really tickled at this one. Uh, first three bullet points. Turbine failures are on the uptick around the world, sometimes with blades falling off or full wind turbine collapses. A recent report says production issues may be to blame for the mysterious increase in failures. Turbines are growing larger. Are they adding water to them or growing? I don't know. Uh, quality control plans get smaller. I'll tell you, the taller the wind turbine, the harder they fall, and they sure are falling. Michael, I get really tickled at this. I got to interview uh, some uh, real experts, and death happens to be a side effect for working in a wind farm. And it's because of the, you know, these are not easy to install. 
But this is multiple turbine and also the numbers, Michael. I'm finding that the mean time between failure on wind is less than eight years. I'm going to do my Biden. It's less than eight years as I lean into the mic. Um, It's not 30 years. It's not 20. It's less than eight. So now that they're falling down and they're a high percentage of falling down, this is adding to the cost of these things. Without industry-wide data, this is where I ran into this, uh, one of the last paragraphs. Chronicling the rise and now fall of turbines, we're relying on industry experts to note the flaws in the wind farming. We are seeing these failures happening at a shorter time frame on the new turbines. This is amazing. I think there's... I think the real the real crux of this article, Stu, is the is that second bullet point they highlight in the thing. A recent production report says production issues may be may be to blame for the mysterious increase in failures. The real question is, what are those mysterious reasons? I think there's two obvious choices. The first is Bigfoot. <laughs> the second is the same Ukrainian team that got Nord Stream. They're running around. <laughs> That's the second option. No, I didn't think of that one. No way. Yep. They're sabotaging wind now. No, I doubt it. No, but in a it's conspiracy, in a conspiracy world, they are sabotaging it so they can get paid again on yep. getting them reinstalled. There I mean, you it's go. just it's economies of scale. First, you hit Nord Stream, then you hit wind pipelines. They're equal opportunity employers. They're probably American. Don't know. What do you got next? Let's go to, speaking of windy, uh, let's go to Alberta's wind power drops two two, two megawatts out of 3,618 on Friday, the lowest level we've ever seen. On Friday, May 12th, Alberta's wind generation fell to the lowest number pipeline online has seen in 17 months since the Alberta electric uh, system operator uh, wind generation fell to two megawatts. That's 0.06% capacity or 10, wow. three tenths of one capacity. That's that means two and possibly as low as one of Alberta's 36 wind farms were generating any power at all. The rest would have been zeros across the board. That's awesome. That's awesome. Isn't that great? No, part they, of the problem. They, they want to move us to, I mean, it's crazy. And they want to move us all to wind. Oh, and this, this cap, this picture here uh, is of a Caterpillar uh, natural gas yep. generator. Caption reads, just one of these Caterpillar 3616 <laughs> generators could put out more power than all of the hundreds of wind turbines across Alberta combined at 725 a.m. on Friday. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's, love the story. <laughs> it is. It's it, it's it's it, funny. It's, it's there's yeah, there's nothing else. There's really nothing to say. What's next? Okay. Give us an update on the give us an update on the fires. Yeah, a shout out goes to all our friends up in Canada. We love our Canadian neighbors. We love everything about even them. ones who like Justin Trudeau begrudgingly. Uh, yeah, well, not, <laughs> I think he's a scam artist. That's my personal opinion. But Western—that's that, shocking to me. That's absolutely shocking that you wouldn't like Justin Trudeau. I'm shocked. I think we have to spend the whole show. Dissected. Of course, no one shocks, dude. That's Justin. Uh, if you're listening to the shocked. podcast, oh, this is him. He's calling in. Yes, you want to be on the podcast? Absolutely. You know. All right. 
No, we're not going to talk to him. Uh, He's banned. No. So what's going on with these fires? No podcast for you, Trudeau. Huh? Okay. The fires, 90 wildfires are active in Alberta with 23 out of control, according to the government, forcing about 20,000 people out of their homes. And we ran another story a little while ago that uh, it's shut down most of the oil fields up in there. At one point, the fires forced oil and gas producers to shut in at least 319,000 barrels of oil per day. So it's cutting it out out of the oil field sands up there. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's 3.7% of their natural production or their national oil production going offline. If I guess it's a BOE, so overall, but I mean, it's pretty crazy. Oh, it's nutty. The military. And in fact, I did see uh, Justin Trudeau out uh, wandering around talking to the military as they were turning them into uh, firefighters. So that was nice that he was thinking about them. Uh, We will build better. Judy, I can't even pronounce her last name, Michael Levisky, 50, who lost her Drayton Valley, Alberta house in the wildfires, were planning to renovate. So now we get to renovate even bigger. I love her attitude. <laughs> nah, we we're planning on renovating anyway. So nature took care of it. Well, they'll probably get a fat check. They definitely had fire insurance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's go around the world. We're going to our favorite place, the EU. Ah, um, Brussels. Uh, Brussels. Uh, EU raw material targets need money and faster permits, sector chief says. Michael, we can't grow the grid in the U.S. We can't uh, supply EVs without critical minerals. We can't get to carbon net zero without critical minerals or natural gas or nuclear. So as President Bush would say, nuclear. Under the EU Critical Raw Materials Act, which has yet to enter force, the bloc has set 2030 targets for the minerals required for its green transition. 10% of annual needs mined, 15% recycled, and 40% processed in Europe. Those are unattainable numbers. Yeah, I mean, is there any lithium in Europe? There's no. No, of course not. So what are they going to do? Take it from Maybe their teeth. I, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's going to be made in Poland for lithium. Ooh, smack. <laughs> um, uh, Bernard Schaefer, CEO of the EIT Raw Materials, an EU-funded group. There's some... Uh, there's some dark money. That's <laughs> about as dark as it gets. I was going to say there's some corruption and waiting to happen. Funded climate group. Ooh, I bet that's Ooh. a creepy guy. I bet that guy's got, I bet that guy's creepy at parties. Oh yeah. Ooh. Bet he knows Epstein. Okay. One of the key elements uh, to accelerate investment and mobilize financing for mining and permitting. This will have to happen very soon. Michael, Japan, or excuse me, China has had 20 years of building their supply chain of critical minerals. You're not going to go, well, look at the time. I need a supply chain of minerals. It's not going to happen. Yeah, they're not. I mean, this is, it is funny how they state, you know, it is like what we said in the open. It's it's like that scene from um, Back to the Future. Hello, McFly. Anybody home? Hello, McFly. You've been asleep at the wheel now for two years. For 20 years, wake up now. Oh, we need faster permitting and mining. They're clearly not listening to the show. We clearly don't quite have Brussels listening to the show. Oh, no, not yet. Uh, they, Norway uh, and Russia. Uh, we are big news source in, in for the Russians. Let's go over here. <laughs> of, to the co- of course you are, Putin Jr. 
Hey, they want to know my my imitation of Putin. I am so funny in Russia. Yeah, just, don't, just just I hope he likes our impression enough to where when he shoots points, the nukes, he points it away from us. Oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't call me, you know, uh, <laughs> who knows? Putin Jr. What's next? Putin Jr. There's a name I don't want to have stick. <laughs> OK, fossil fuel centered growth is obsolete, says EU von der Leyen. I can't. She is a knothead. Uh, under the definition in Wikipedia, von der Leyen is a knothead. Uh, unbelievable. She even looks like Biden in a former life. An energy mix based on fossil fuels cannot deliverable, deliver sustainable economic growth for future generations. European Commissioner President uh, Ursula uh, said on Monday when she sought to add impetus to the decarbonization of Europe's economy. Let's get you a quote. A growth model centered on fossil fuels is simply obsolete, von der Leyen Len said, uh, uh, adding the goal of the EU's Green Deal energy transition was to create a different growth model that is sustainable far into the future. <laughs> I I, I I I have no words. I really I'm I'm grasping for straws other than like I I think the only way for Europe to survive is for the EU to disband. And what you're going to see is that um countries uh very much like Poland will survive because they have very uh Poland first uh rules and and uh, uh policies. Those that have borders those that have Poland first, those that have the United States first will survive. If you're a country that does not take care of your own, you will not survive. I, it's just, these are the people in charge of the EU. I'm so sorry. If you live in Europe, this is, this is, this is what you get. I mean, that I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I I am speechless. This is like, I'm all bummed out. I got all fired up for this show today. Let's look at the uh, wind to wind. You kicked off with a banger. You kicked the show (laughs) off with a banger of a reference. That was brilliant. That was one of your better. That's one of your better lines in a while. Okay. All right, man. Off to you. Yeah, I mean, not much really on the on the oil side. We saw some weakness in the oil and gas markets today. You know, I kind of predicted yesterday. I thought we 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 would see oil and gas. We would see oil prices specifically rise as we continue to see more shut-ins from from this Calgary wildfire. But we really actually saw a little bit of a depression, really on some weaker Chinese data and some higher global demand, which is interesting because it was some weaker than expected data out of China and. Really, what that did was offset a little forecast of higher demand. I mean, it's pretty funny. You have these two different, you know, tranches that happen today. We have weak economic data in China, which is seen as the driver of higher global demand. But then on the other hand, the IEA comes out and says, well, demand's going to be higher. It's like, well, your data source that you should be feeding into your model just came out today and said they're going to be weaker than expected. But no, you still expect, I mean, it's these are the bums that the IEA, and you can tell. You can tell whoever the traders care zero about the IEA forecast because they encast the IEA, the International Energy uh, Agency, forecasted higher global demand than previously forecasted and prices fell. You know why? 
It's because it they're the flavor du jour, uh, you know, and it's like, what is the World uh, Health Organization or what is the UN? What does any of these want them to say that day? They're going to say they've said, oh, but less. We're, we've had more. We've had less. We've had why, more. What? What is it in there? I thought that I thought the IEA wants to go green. So why do they care what global oil demand is? Shouldn't they want okay. it to go down? But Saudi Arabia this week is wanting oil prices to go up. Yeah, if I was Saudi Arabia, I'd want prices to go up too. Doesn't it a genius? It just depends on who's who's logged into their account and buttering their bread. Exactly, got multiple logins to the IEA account. (laughs) Saudi got this one, um, but it still didn't work because China came out and said, "Sorry, we got lower than forecast to production." So that's literally what happened today in oil prices. Um, It was really industrial output and retail sales growth undershot core uh, forecast in April on the Chinese side, and really that moment that suggested that this economy is sort of losing momentum as it sort of rolls over into their Q3 projections. So again, take that for what it's worth. It's clear that nobody cares about the IEA and Nope. It, it, it's hard to reckon with. We saw prices did spike a little bit on natural gas um, and then immediately did fall currently sitting very similar to where we were at at $2.34. Nothing really new in the oil um, markets or in the oil news markets per se, just a lot of people participating in fireside chats. So a lot of, a lot of updates to be watching. You know, Crescent Point did point out that they're going to shut in about 45,000 barrels of oil a day for this wildfire. So that's, you wow. know, take that into account. Um, they're, they're probably down a little bit on that one, but uh, what else are you looking for, Stu? What do we got? Well, I'm gonna. I'm waiting on a phone call from uh, Faith Bristol from the uh, EIA. I mean the IEA. So you know, I'm sure he'll want to come on the podcast and defend his methodology. Absolutely, he could sponsor the show. I'm down to have all of our numbers sponsored by the IEA. It'll just be a joke every time. Every time I our guy of the week sponsored by the IEA. Ooh, smack! It's gonna be a great week. All right. Well, we'll let you guys get out of here. Appreciate you guys checking us out. Energy News Beat Podcast for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.